The following recording may contain explicit language. I can't get more explicit than may. Let's just say it may. It's Monday, September 16th, 2019. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca, and this is Comedy Week, a week of consideration, exploration, and perhaps limited enactment of comedy content. E.B. White once said, discussing comedy is like dissecting a frog. You may learn something, but the frog dies in the process. Now, if this were true, the iTunes charts would look like the last scene in Magnolia. Actually, what E.B. White actually wrote was, quote, humor can be dissected as a frog can, but the thing dies in the process and the innards are discouraging to any but the pure scientific mind. Well, we punch that up and rewrite. And all this week, we offer to you, our just listeners, those amphibian innards, those ribbity guts. In future days, we shall examine the state of humor in podcasting and improv on the screen and in late night television. But today's panel discussion is of that great American art form, the headwaters of so much American comedy, stand up. Our first panel discussion of the week, the pressures on and importance of stand-up comedy today. Enjoy. So, for Comedy Week, we will kick off with the purest and most American of the comedy art forms, stand-up. And my guests and I will talk about, I hope to be as in this as little as possible. This is why you invite on three funny, opinionated people. We will talk about the current state of stand-up, uh, the you-can't-say-that phenomenon, where everything's going, where it's been. I'm joined by Adam Ferrara, an American actor and comedian who played Needles Nelson in Rescue Me, and he hosted Top Gear, and he played... Uh, Sergeant Frank Varelli in Nurse Jackie, and he has an excellent new podcast called That's 30 Minutes I'll Never Get Back. 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. <laughs> <laughs> and all his, and Tony Kornheiser says it, and Lisa Lampanelli says it, and if you go on that show, you have to say it. Thanks for coming on, Adam. Thanks for having me, pal. Next up, we have the great Hari Kondabalu, who's been with us so often over the years. Podcast-wise, I mean, he's on, there's a bunch of podcasts he's been on that are still in your feed somewhere. He co-hosted The Bugle for a while, and he uh, co-hosted Politically Reactive with W. Camus Bell. He wrote for that show. His comedy album's Waiting for 2042, mainstream American comic. And there's something called Hari Kondabalu's New Material Night One, Volume One. Yes, that's Is right. that a thing? Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah. that did you didn't come up with like a title to last? <laughs> I like titles that are kind of almost like encyclopedia titles. Like, right. I like things that are overly <laughs> formal for what they are. I don't know if there'll ever be a volume two, but like Mel Brooks at the history of the world part, part one, one. There's never right. been a part two. It did end with Jews that. in space. Right. Right. <laughs> Which, Which yeah. I, I think we've seen actually. <laughs> didn't Israel go to the moon and release some microfibers? I think so. Or maybe I'm just, you know, getting into the They uh, did, but they had to be home by Friday. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't allowed to play the really rough moon games. And finally, we have Aperna Nancharla, who is the who has also written for Camus Bell, and uh, her comedy album is called Just Putting It Out There. And she has played Grace in corporate on Comedy Central. And of course, you know her voice is Holly Hawk, Mannheim, Mannheim, Guerrero, Robinson, Zilberschlag sung, sung Fonzarelli McQuack from BoJack. Oh God, I loved you on that. Thanks for coming on, uh, Aperna. 
Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I've been watching a lot of uh, the, the, the old comedians in cars getting coffee. We have water. We have a Metro card. But you are comedians. <laughs> and a constant of that Jerry Seinfeld show is he'll talk to people usually of his generation. And they'll talk about the things you can't say anymore. And I wonder how much you come across that, how you navigate that, and uh, how generational it is. You know, Jerry might feel differently from someone who really has to meet the audience's expectation rather than the other, other way around. So we were talking about this Outside horror, you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I think you can say whatever you want. That's always been true in comedy. But are you okay with the repercussions of saying whatever you want? That's that's the the difference. And historically, the repercussions are: are they laughing? Are they not laughing? Will mm-hmm. I get booked again? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and now it's that plus potentially like the internet. Am I, you know, okay with dealing with the heat of what I said? And to me, it's like. Well, if you mean it and if you love love what you say, then fight for it. But if if you you're allowed to reconsider a position or a joke, the tricky part is I feel like there was a time where before all the cameras were on and people were recording, you could mess up at an open mic and you could you could figure out where you stood on a thing and and like oh I'm being too aggressive here, let me be a little more delicate. It's harder to do that now, but I feel like the the thing that we're all dealing with as comics is like people actually criticizing us. And the weird thing is it felt like forever people didn't respect stand-ups as real artists. Mm. And now we're actually being respected as artists because if you're criticizing us, you mean that our words count and that you're listening. And we never had that. (laughs) Like in other countries, they review stand-up. Nobody cares about us here. Like this is so exciting in a way that like our words do have meaning. Like, yeah, we're just putting more of them together. I mean, <laughs> right, right, right. Everyone's, that's what we're doing. Everyone's yeah. getting criticized. The world we live in now. Yeah, you know, you get a Facebook, but you, your your personality, your point of view is a product. It yeah. has right. a Twitter yeah, feed. Yeah, yeah. It has so you're allowed to comment on that. You said something really interesting about finding your opinion and and, and evolving as an artist. Because I'll be honest with you, I can't fix my life, but I can fix a joke. Yes. Right. So I can see the truth of what I want to get to as I craft. The, and I'm not a I'm not I'm not a social I don't uh, social commentary guy I'm I'm a student of the human condition so basically I I, I don't I don't run into that a lot because a lot of people go he doesn't really he have anxiety you know what are they going to yell at me about yeah, yeah. Um, but to in order to be able to evolve as an artist it's very interesting that you have to be uh, subject to criticism as you are working on your art right we edit live yeah yeah so I think that's something that's changed in the culture where there is especially on social media, less room for nuance and like evolving as a human and being like, oh, maybe my views from this year were different Mm -hmm. than they are now. I think there's more of this like gotcha uh, moment of, you know, public shaming people for something they tweeted in 2005 or something. And I think especially for comedy as an art form, there has to be a room for reworking something from how it starts to where you are now. So things like leaking someone's set and even if the material is, you know, out of touch or outdated, it's not really fair because that's it's a type of art form that has to be developed in front of a live audience. So there's no way to not mess up in a public way. Has that happened to you? I mean, have you been judged? Because it seems like of the three people here, four including me, you, you would you would be the one that uh, people would object to the least. You would think so, but I, I think that explains the polarity of social media where it's like no matter what I tweet on any political spectrum, someone is going to find some fault with it because it is not addressing their specific agenda. 
So I think in that sense, you're always going to be offending some person. Well, it's not offending as much as getting a reaction yes. from someone. Yeah, Because yeah. most That's people true. aren't looking for information. We, they're looking for affirmation. Yes. Like, oh, okay. Don't make, yeah. don't make me think outside my right. belief system. Right, right. But what I want to really get to is what you said, Hari, which is it used to be, is it funny? Is it not funny? Now mm-hmm. there are other considerations. One consideration could be, is it something that I think that the audience has a point, but there could be a further consideration, which is I actually don't think the audience has a point, but I better curtail this material if enough of the audience will get upset, even not my actual audience in front of me, some hypothetical online audience. And it, you're the the reason I want to have you on is you told me once about changing jokes in a way I've never heard comedians talk about. Like, you really take it seriously. I think a lot of comedians dig in and say, it's humor, I'll listen up to a point, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kowtow to the heckler's veto. You don't kowtow to the heckler's veto, but I think you really take the feedback much more seriously than most other comedians I know. I think when you get more, because I mean, the thing is, when you're putting a joke out there, you're getting feedback from it, whether it's laughter or something else. And if you include any of that feedback that you find useful, it, it, we shouldn't have an antagonistic relationship with the audience Mm-mm. in some weird way. It's like, oh, okay, so you're telling me what I'm saying is wrong. Well, maybe I can call myself out on it on stage and write another joke about that. Like, stand up is such a free art form. You can do anything with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, being wrong factually or making a point that you later regret, that could add on to the joke. And to me, that makes it more complex, potentially funnier, and, and maybe a little bit more thoughtful. I don't see that as like, oh, this person is too sensitive, end of story. But what's your argument, though? I am kind of curious. Why would I shut down a, the possible, from a purely selfish artistic standpoint, why would I shut down potentially a new angle no one's ever thought of? That's taking out the human part, like I don't want to hurt people. Yeah, that's, that's your analytics. You're collecting yeah. information to yes. see where it can take you. Yeah. But what if they're wrong? I mean, what if you judge them wrong? And how do you know to judge them well, wrong? Would they be wrong or, the, or it wouldn't pertain? Because mm-hmm. right, right and wrong is, right. you know, but if it wouldn't Or you pertain, disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. But I the mean, point is, you're, let's say you're doing jokes and your audience loves it, and then there's some objection to the jokes, not from the audience right there, mm-hmm. either online or someone outside. You take that seriously, and you have changed material based on that, even though jokes are like consistently killing in front of the crowd who specifically right. seeks out Hari Kondabalu. Well, okay, like I had this one joke, it was called my feminist dick joke, yeah. and it had been on Comedy Central. It was it's, a, it's, a, it's an older joke, but it was just the idea of... Uh, you know, people don't want to elect a woman because they feel that, like, her judgment's impaired whenever she has uh, a period. Uh, and the thing is, I'm a dude. My judgment's impaired five to seven times an hour. Right. right? Like, mm-hmm. so basic joke. And, you know, somebody came up to me and they were a trans man just saying, like, you know, I love your stand up. I go to all your shows. And it felt kind of weird because, like, it leaves me out of it. Right. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I biologically don't fit into that particular thing that you just said. And I explained the things I can't explain. Like, I understand totally what you mean about gender being a spectrum, but I can't explain that in the basement of a sports bar. You know what I mean? I can't, like, as much as I'd like to, like, it kind of eliminates the audience when you have to go that deep into it. And at the same time, you know, you can you can explain as much as you want. When someone's hurt, they're hurt. Like that, you know, it, it killed me to because I I didn't think I was wrong. I still don't think I was wrong. But at the same time, it wasn't about that. So what I did is I just added out. I added a piece where I call myself out in the joke saying, but it isn't gender this thing. And then by the end of it, it becomes this kind of bizarre performance 
arty type thing that ends in a laugh, which justifies it. <laughs> as long as you end in a laugh, you can yeah. justify most as, things. If, if, if yeah. When you stop talking, they start laughing. You're doing it yeah, right. Yeah. You found a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's how deep a hole are you digging yourself? How What kind of barriers are you putting up? And if you can find a way to get through them and get a laugh at the end, like... I think it, it just raises the difficulty level. Yeah, and I think an, you get points for that, too. There's an yeah. art form to playing the silence. There's also an art form to, to knowing, like, we all have spidey sense. We all can read a room. So how far do you want to build the tension before you hit them with the release? Yeah. And it depends on that subject matter. If it's something that's socially relevant and, and a touchy topic, you're going to have less time to do it. Yeah. You know, but if uh, if you want to if you want to play on the human emotion, which is what I tend to lean to, I got a little more time. And the audience is always a variable. You yeah, know? some yeah. audiences like if if they're fans of yours, they're going to let you go. Yeah. You have more room to right. play with. And if if they're not, or if you're playing, you know, some shows you're p- performing in a club with people that want to see you. Right, that's yeah. one type of thing. But when there's a bunch of people who don't know who you are, at the end of the day, it's not that I'm going to change the whole joke, but I'm going to think how far can I can I push this until I lose them? And if I lose them, how do I get them back? Yeah. And also you're going to look at, when you say, look at the audience, you're going to, you're going to take the right club out of the bag to hit, to hit the ball where it is on the course. You're not going to try new stuff on a late show Friday. Right. Right. They're drunk drunk and the check spots coming. Yeah. 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 Would you ever not change a joke because someone complained about it? Or have you ever Oh, you mean out of, like, spite? Thing? No. <laughs> like, where, how dare where you you're question. like, I can't address all the nuances in this bit and keep it effective. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. definitely jokes where I look at them like, this person's point is right, but you're telling me because I missed that point or that point of view. Yeah. All the other good that this bit does is thrown away. Right. I just think, for me, sometimes I think the audience doesn't understand how a joke is created. Yes. How one word added ruins a punchline. Mm-hmm. Right. One word taken away. Oh, I slowed down. Like, there's all this stuff. I mean, we've all experienced this. Like, you've had a joke that's been working for a year. Somehow it just stopped working and you don't know. Did I add a word last time I did it? Yeah. Do I have to listen to a tape from a year right. ago to see how I right. screwed up? Was the joke right in front of it? Like, somehow ruining the joke after it or like, something in the cult like the resonance of those words now is a different salience in the cult yes, yes. And, and we're and it's all these things you're trying to factor in so when someone says can't you just do this yeah. or that right about this it's like it's not that easy in addition to making something that functions as a joke and makes people laugh which right. is hard enough how does it impact rest of the hour yeah. and you're playing to a living organism yes. of, of, of yes. a group of people so yeah. it, it's it's what your you know your feedback it's not a brick wall it's not going to come mm. back as hard as you hit it every time right. to me it sounds like going up to the alchemist okay lead to gold but can you do wood chips so i am fascinated by that anecdote that you gave uh, you were able to take a stimulus, an idea, and play with it and turn it into humor. The main impetus for changing it was that this person was hurt and you wanted to address that? Or the main impetus was he gave you some ideas and therefore, like anything else in the world, it was comedy fodder? Both. Yeah. Both. Because the human being part, of course, is like I hurt someone. Right. Mm-hmm. But the creative part is like... You know, first of all, most people I don't think would have noticed that right. generally. And the fact that this person is a regular in my audience has a lot of people who feel like, all right, I, I can come here and I'll hear stuff I've never heard. And I feel like I'm in a space that's like, like safe for me to be in. Like, I mean, that's a, a unique thing I feel like I get a, a lot of times. Well, for me, it's like, well, I want to give them the best show I can give them while also challenging myself. Like, right. you know, I, I think that when we say, 
you can't say what you used to be able to, things are too polite and you can't, I mean, t- to some degree I understand, but it's also a little lazy. Like, why do you want to say the things you used to be able to say? Isn't that hacky? Like, right, isn't the whole point to push yourself as far as you can? I think, so I'll channel uh, all 80 episodes of Comedians <laughs> in Cars, right? I think that maybe one of those guys, and maybe guys, often guys, but you know, Sarah Silverman says a version of this too, that th- they would look at your original joke about, you know, she gets her period. Well, I, I have a dick and I am distracted seven times a day. And they would justify it uh, something like, look, don't you understand who the victim in the joke is, uh, that I'm pointing to myself, that I'm trying to make a point about the anti-feminist critique of Hillary Clinton. You know, there is all these justifications that actually put you on the right quote unquote sure, right side of sure. progressive thought. And that's where their argument would be. Sure. And, and and I don't disagree with any of that. But to me, it's like, you know, well, I still uh, that person's face didn't leave my head for a while. Right. Right. You know, yeah, and, but they had a, they had an impact of what you did as an artist and you right. had the empathy to do something to, right. to make the effort to change. And I don't think you have to. No, but you that's that's, that's the choice you made. Right. Interesting. Well, Same feedback delivered online. Do you think it would affect you? Again, it depends on what the po- first of all, uh, less so and se- because. You know, it, there's you get so much feedback right. online; it's hard to pull <laughs> yeah. in any yeah. of it. But it's like, so special. It's a, <laughs> and so, I like mean, most of it's Russian bots, anyway. <laughs> right? Right. Um, which, by the way, that there's more and more of that. It's very confusing. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this isn't a real person. This is somebody <laughs> that's dedicated to ruining my feed. Now the Russian reason. bots don't like my joke. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Friday late show. All Russian, yeah. all Russian yeah. bots. Yeah. Look, as long as they hit their two chests. Right <laughs> I mean, you do the best you can. I mean, like, when it's online, obviously, it feels a little different. And when it's in person, you you certainly, like, it, it hits you harder. I mean, I also have friends who know me and my voice well enough. Like, did you really want to say that? I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, I guess not. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it's hard when a joke works. Do you really want to a joke works, but also yeah. I think, and and I'm sure you guys experience the audience is the chisel. You're sculpting with the chisel. They're yeah, actually yeah, yeah, helping yeah. you shape it. So to not take the feedback you're getting is is I think doing a disservice to the way you uh, how we how we make the art. And sometimes it's even when the when the joke hits. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten the laugh. I'm like, that's not the laugh I wanted. Nah. I don't like how they're laughing at that. I didn't get to the punchline yet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wait a minute. They're taking this as face value. They think this racism is at face value. Mm-hmm. And at that point, this is the setup. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe I should redo the setup and sacrifice some laughs to get to where I actually want to go. That's that's hard to do because. Silence when it's not anticipated is mm-hmm. horrible. It's just as awful as it felt when I was 17. It's like, ah, oh, this totally fell flat. That still hurts. And w- am I willing to give up a perfectly functioning functioning piece of material because I'm not sure how I feel about it ethic- ethically? I mean, I think we all, you know, I certainly still think about that. Like, do I really stand behind that at the same time? If I don't use this joke, there's silence for a good minute and a half. Right. Yeah. I think a part of you were going to say for a second when Hari said, uh, is this what you really want to be saying? You had a reaction oh, to that. Oh, well, I no, I, I was just thinking about the idea of now I think people, I don't perform in the clubs as much. And I would say I perform more in alternate spaces. And sometimes people will come to show to those shows saying, oh, they don't like going to comedy clubs because they don't feel as safe or as represented. So I think those crowds tend to be more you know, about identity, maybe like the, the acts are shaped more around different identities. And 
I think we're in a moment where it's like people expect to be represented and seen in everyone's material. And it's like you can't just as a one human being represent all points of view. And I think it's also like doing a disservice to an audience to be like, you're not able to relate to anyone's perspective that's not fully yours. That's like rewriting all literature to be like, well, can we make everyone like a trans queer narrative? But we can only be who and what we are. We can only speak the truth that's our truth and be respectful to people that are hearing it. So I can't be... I can't. I, I can. I can present what I can present in 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 a way that that this is what I want to say, and and there is no malice of forethought. There is right. no intent to hurt. Exactly. And I will take whatever feedback I get to shape what I want to do. I have a joke in my act about uh, I, a friend of mine is is, is a, a drag queen, and that's what he wants to be called. I'm a queen, damn it. Fine, whatever. And uh, when he said, uh, I have a, it's, it's it's a bit about I go to a party with him, and uh, he sees me. It was the first time I was ever out with him, and he was all dolled up. And he looked at me face. He said, are you, are you embarrassed to be seen with me? I said, look, we've been friends a long time, but you're very hairy and you're wearing a backless dress. <laughs> okay? From the front, you're queen for a day. From the back, it's gorillas in the mist. And I don't want to be judged. I don't care if you dress like a woman, but please, be a lady. <laughs> All right? Because I, I don't care if people think I'm gay. I care if people think I have no taste. <laughs> so that was a joke written about a, a friend of mine that, you know, this this was my experience. And I think it was done respectfully. And I set up the fact that uh-huh. where's he going to go? And then the turn is here. So it's, yeah. it's 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 my truth, hopefully reaching somebody else. Yeah, but also you were thoughtful in how you presented it. Because, like, a different right. guy writes that. Well, a different guy probably doesn't have a friend who's a drag queen. Right. But, like, right. probably doesn't also say, like, this is really about taste. I mean, that's a really nice turn. Yeah. Because you could have also made it about, like, oh, this is gross. Or, like, yeah, you know, there's, there's other angles to that. But it's right, also- right. You could dwell in the hairy backedness yeah. and get like three or four. Yeah, laughs but that's not this. what it's about. Right, it's, right. It's, uh, that's used for the misdirect to bring back right. you know, what what I wanted to do. But right. I also think just the onus should be on more just having different types of people inhabit comedy rather than taking whoever's existing and being like, "Can we rewrite your whole?" Yeah, act? there's <laughs> if, if I don't, my, there's no other in my act. You know, there's there's no enemy. You know, it's just, it's just me trying to navigate the world. I mean, I feel like we're in a golden era of stand-up personally just because we have more voices than ever before. I feel like everybody's always looking for the next thing. Well, the next thing sometimes is like the old voices we didn't allow to speak before. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Patty Harrison is, is incredible. You know, she's like a trans woman, like incredible comic. Like, does Patty's voice get heard a decade ago? I don't know, right? Julio Torres is hysterically funny both in terms of like jokes and also in terms of his style and, yeah i mean his, his shape special is incre- is oh like it's incredibly good yeah, yeah i mean this is this is a good era so you know t- to go with, with a pernis point like i think that as much as we can criticize performers of not hitting as many things as we'd wish they would mm-hmm. let's fo- i think focus more on because i mean that's very much a a twitter internet social media like attack 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 yeah, yeah. versus the building of you know there's incredible performers who are doing stand up finally because they feel like i can i have something to say and this is interesting and there's more people out there shouldn't we be supporting them isn't that the goal that we we should have because you know, there are more media outlets than there ever have been. Stand up in terms of like, you know, I know so many people with specials. I know so many people with followings. I know so many people that can work the road and not just play clubs or play little theaters mm-hmm. or rock clubs. I mean, this is a golden era for a, a performer. It's not the same gatekeepers. There's not eight big comics. Like there are so many careers in this now mm-hmm. i mean this is the time to find the comics you love and support them as opposed to this person didn't do this or this person didn't do that has a comedian ever offended you 
When they don't stick to their time in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did <laughs> you light see the light? <laughs> have you ever followed Chappelle? Uh, oh, no. no. Currently, has. right now, he's needed <laughs> to follow Chappelle. Yeah. Yeah. He's, Chappelle started a bit in 2017, and he's the next <laughs> one up. Yeah. No, but is that something that... Why? Because you're comedians? Because you are, you have a shared community? No, I've uh, been offended by jokes before, okay. but I will, But I don't take it, I'm not, I'll just be like, their comedy is not for me. I'm not, I'm not trying to say like they're not an artist or a part of the community. It's just, I'm like, I didn't yeah. care for that particular. So joke. what do you think of the idea of, of, of daring to offend? The idea of like going up to the line and maybe you do offend, but then you get somewhere in terms of the art. That's, well, if, if that's the intention, yeah. you, you, know, you know you're going to see exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Andy Kaufman was there to piss yeah, you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, that, that was, that like was if, the whole gig. If they pay it off, then I will be okay with where they took me for the ride. But if they're just saying it to shock and there's not, no work beyond mm that that I'm not as interested. What a shock bores me to some degree. Like I feel like you know, we, in our lifetime, we've seen planes at the World Trade Center. You I mean what? What's more shocking? You tell me some words are, are the most shocking thing you can come up with. Like at a certain point, we're past the the place of like here's an offensive thing, here's a fucked up thing, here's something that would piss people off. Like all right, and yeah, where does it go? It, it's yeah. it's a spice with nothing else around it. Right, you know? right. You, you need to you need the way I approach it is you got to get them to trust you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they're putting their emotional care in your hands. So you're taking them on a ride. So if they trust you, they're going to give you a little bit more. So the shocking stuff has to come later in the set because they'll take a longer ride with you. But the payoff better be big. If yeah. you're just shocking me to shock me, psh, I can go to my mother's house and get yelled at. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so I was thinking about, I heard Tara Silverman in an interview, and she had this whole persona for 10 years of her career, and she's abandoned it. And she doesn't, she did it willingly. She says times have changed. But I wonder, so if you go back and you watch Jesus is Magic or one of her early specials. It's not of our time, maybe, but should we say it was bad? If someone came up, if she'd never existed and then came along with essentially that material, would we be offended by it? Would we want it hounded out of existence? It I, it would find an audience, I think. It would, yeah, but then yeah. would we say, I mean, let's say it found an audience, but also found a lot of criticism on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Would, be right, would we be right? It would be like everything else in this world. Right, right, right. Like, it just, what I'm trying to say is, given uh, acknowledging and caveating everything we've said about comedy being of a time, there seems to me... It's art, and that art has worth and value, and it should be taken in the context of its time. But if we're transposed to now, I think it would have a lot harder time, and I worry about the viability of that art in 2019. Sure, but, that, but that's, like we were saying, it's of its time. Like, when that special came out, like, I was huge Sarah Silverman fan. I loved that special when it came out. Went to see it live, like, in New York when it came out, like... It's it's a, it's like a master class in joke writing. Like right. That, her, that hour, I think, was her first hour. Like there was bits that she had even done on as a writer on SNL from from years back, and it was like so well constructed. And I'm not the same person now. If I was to see it now, I'm like, all right, you know, like this is the foul mouth baby face because thing, Sarah but, Silverman like, did it, right. and so many other people did. But yeah. Look at all, the number of people. I mean, in terms of joke writing, I still think it's great joke writing. Like it, hiding the punchline, like it's it's brilliant misdirection. But there's so many other, like, especially women who started doing stand-up because of Sarah Silverman. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that to me is incredibly valuable. There's people who are like, oh, there's this person who feels 
comfortable enough in themselves to go up and say what they want to say and deal with the cringiness that comes of it. Like, to me, it's not my preferred style. And it's really interesting to see her change as a person because she like she says times have changed, but she's still funny. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like it, the, the stuff is different. The tone's different, maybe, but it's still her. It's still like whatever is uniquely her is still in her act. And it's still really funny. Do you and do you think comedians today still still subscribe to the idea that you've got to be able to translate your comedy into every venue? I got to be able to go into, you know, a club in uh, Kenosha. I got to be able to go into an alt room in L.A. And if I'm a great comedian, I could kill in all those places. You still hear that. I don't really feel that way. I mean, my act is pretty specific and I know I have done well in like an assortment of venues, but I've also done bad in venues that I thought I would do good in and vice versa. So I think there's always like an unknown element to comedy. But I think at the end of the day, for me, I just want to be able to write what I want to write about rather than worry as much about the audience first. I I think for me, it would be if I could still be me in all those venues. Mm. Yeah. Can be, you? Have you played a yeah. bunch of? Yeah. 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 I, 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 will, I will acknowledge the stranger in the strange land. You know, I, I, mean, you, I did a, a, a urban room in Memphis when I first started out. And I said, look, I'm here because of quotas. So <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's make the best of it. You know, and so you acknowledge the room and, and then you take them on the ride. Did that make you proud that you were able to play that room really well as much as, uh, you know, the Konkoma Comedy Club? <laughs> <laughs> the Konkoma Comedy Club. By the way, the KKK. Yes. That's nice. <laughs> That's nice. Because comedy with a K is yeah, funny. It's yeah, it's funny, yeah. Even if it's just preceded by two other Ks. Did it make me proud? You know what made me proud? I did the gig because yeah. I had the option not to do it, and mm. I did it. Um, and, and I was pleased that I was able to find a way to maintain integrity in in that in that arena and make people laugh i was very pleased i was handing out uh doing a food line thing uh in la and it was there was a family there and they didn't speak english and it was a kid there and i made them laugh mm. and i and we didn't speak the language so i was making and the other kids came by and i made these other kids laugh for a while that was the most satisfying laugh i ever had in my life because it wasn't done verbally i don't know how the hell i did it but i did it <laughs> but i was proud of it i mean i i feel like i think Adam's point about integrity is kind of key. Like, can I go into the place and still be me? And if, you know, I know who I am, I know what I'm interested in. If I can't do that in a place, I probably won't actively try to book it. But if I end up in that place, my job is to make them laugh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make them laugh as me to the best of my ability. And that means I might have to improvise more. That means that maybe I do a little bit more research on Kenosha, Wisconsin. Maybe that means I talk to the audience more. But your job is to fill your time that you were paid for and do the best job you can take. But I don't think it's like, you know, I feel like there's a certain alpha element. I kill everywhere. I can go everywhere. I'm like, it's not about, I want to make art. It's not about that. Yeah, it's about that. This is not wins and losses. Did you ever play the Stardome? I don't no. even know if it's still there. Stardom in, in Alabama. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, uh, yeah. is it Huntsville? It. I, think I think it's Birmingham. Okay. I played a Stardom. Played it once. I went in. Uh, a plane was late. Car taking me there was late. The middle act was stretching. <gasps> right. So I walk on stage, and the first thing I did was apologize. I am so sorry that the pl- that the car was late getting me here. Thank you so much for your patience. Rosa Parks had an easier time getting around Alabama than right, I right. did. Nothing. Oh, for real? Nothing. No. And I'm like, this is going to be a long week. No. Nothing? Nothing. Still sensitive. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Must have been it. Apparently, it was a room full of bus drivers. Who knew? Uh, I think when I hear that, I I think maybe it's of an older generation. Mm. 
I understand why someone would be proud to be able to translate their comedy to all venues. And yet, on the other hand, you know, I don't think a bassoonist would say, I could go anywhere and play my bassoon. You you need a specific set of circumstances. Yeah. You could be the greatest bassoonist in the world. It's not like you're not an artist. So there should be nothing wrong with saying, you know, I mostly do well at these kind of venues. Mm-hmm. And if it's, uh, I don't know, an urban room in Memphis or mm. the Stardome or even like... Uh, uh, one of these nights at the comic strip where seven people come on and you're mostly playing to finish tourists. If yeah. I'm not doing well there, that's fine. That doesn't mean that your comedy has any less art if the finished tourists don't get you. It's also a different set of skills. Like yeah. I always look at it in terms of offense and defense. Like if if the the crowd's not with you, they're, they're not interested in what you have to say, whatever, you, their defensive skills kick in. Like, all right, talk to the audience. Let me riff a little bit. Let me see what other material yeah. I got that Bob might Bob and Weed, baby. Bob, exactly. Exactly. Yep. And when you have a crowd where like you're just killing it, it's like you're, you're performing for friends you just haven't met yet, and it's just like you're completely. That's offense. That's like yes. when you do whatever you want. Yeah. You can go off script. Yeah. You could, you're adding tags to jokes you thought were finished just because <laughs> yeah. you're hanging out with friends. Yeah, time slows down. Oh, it's yeah. the best feeling. When in I the hear world. these, but they both have value. Both when I hear these two value. guys who I've seen <laughs> and they have a bit of the alpha in them, they definitely could take the audience by the throat. I've seen you very satisfyingly rip apart hecklers. Mm. What about you, Aperna? Because yeah. I've seen you, you do tons of improvisational stuff. So the audience should know I go see you host this uh, show called Butter Boy, which is every Monday. And I would recommend everyone see it. A lot of improv, but it's not a grab the audience by the throat no, kind of improv. No. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, I've always been more of a sit back and, you know, tune in or don't. Like, I, I, it's just how I've always approached comedy because I think even when I started stand up, I didn't know that much about stand up. So mm. I wasn't like, I got to keep everyone on the edge of their seat the huh. whole time, which is just, I think, a through line that's followed me through my career. And, you know, I've, like Kari was saying, learned ways to, even within that work, offense and defense. But I just don't think I'm that person who's like, oh, I lost him. I'm going to get him back. Right, like, right. I'm just like, well. You would if you had a dick. <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I found ways within my own style to kind of navigate like ebbs and flows and, you know, when the audience is tuning out a little. You don't do that thing where you fixate on the one person who's not laughing. Oh, and of it course dro- I do. But does it we drive you? We all and you, do. Do you want to be confrontational with him or her? No, I'm just like, why are you here? <laughs> you it's can always, leave. It's always, I'm sorry. Is this a bad time? <laughs> <laughs> it's always worse when you find out like there's a guy that was a regular at the Comedy Underground in, in Seattle every Thursday used to go to every show and sat up front and never laughed they Went always sit up front <laughs> and probably had the best time the of best it. Time. looks forward to it every week every week yeah. and that's just the way Carl is built yeah. and right. it's just the most frustrating like, <laughs> well you should see him in every other walk of life af- actively crying right right and don't say anything about the scar right <laughs> <laughs> they're not always up front that's just who you can see from the stage apparently yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, that's, that's great true. you're singing in a different key and yeah. that's, that's yes. I'll be honest with you that's pretty courageous Yeah, I think, I mean, I think I've just found what works for me. And I think that's the beauty of comedy. Like, not everyone has to do it in, you know, an alpha way or like that. I think an audience appreciates that, too. You don't want the same note every time. Mm -hmm. Like, you want variations. Yes, you'd be, I mean, if I was booking a show with two guys like these, I'd want to book someone like you. Guess what? I did. And it was this right here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Aha. My guests have been... Aparna Nancherla, Hari Kandabalu, and Adam Ferrara, thank you all so much. Thanks a lot. 
That's it for today's show. Comedy Week is produced by Daniel Schrader, who refuses to work blue, though he will work periwinkle. I should also note, I have an essay up about, generally speaking, how we've all gotten funnier. That's on the website today. Which website? Men who look like Kenny Rogers.com. No, actually, it's Slate. The gist. I refuse my act to purely play to the audience. My jokes are in Aramaic. And they lampoon Neolithical agrarian practices in the Levant during the pre-pottery Neolithic era. Do you like to laugh? All right. When my wife sits around the house, she really sits around one or more neighboring houses that share hearths situated in open spaces with a mixed farming and stock-rearing economy. Am I right? Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. It does sound a little better in Aramaic. See what happens when I pander? Oopru depru dupru, and thanks for listening.